Our reading today is from the Gospel of John. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks to Jim for the reading of the gospel and for the musicians who so beautifully prepare us for the word today. In the beginning was the word. That's how the gospel of John begins from the very first verse, building a dramatic telling of Jesus' ministry. It's full of connections that help us consider once more in this season of Lent the congregational theme today, tomorrow, and the next day, and how that all links together. John's Gospel is written with intention, with recurring themes and ideas, recalling history, prophecy, and memory. John even inserts side comments to make sure that we notice these connections. In our reading today, John provides two themes to help listeners and readers engage with and encounter God in this story of Christ. We are first reminded of abundance, and that theme is most clearly seen, or actually smelled, with a focus on aromas. A pound of perfume, and at the dinner table? Too much, Mary, too, too much. It is more than necessary, certainly more than is practical. It is extra. But this abundance and extravagance is a theme in John, a way to remind us of the limitless and eternal God. Think back to the wedding at Cana when Jesus' first miracle is changing gallons and gallons and gallons of water into the best wine. I used to teach a class to prepare students to take the English section of the ACT test. And one of the key tips is avoid the all or nothing. I advise students that answers including always and never were not likely to be correct. So Jesus, as John shares this story, would not have fared well on the ACT. Jesus loves the extremes. Jesus promises the woman at the well not just a drink, but a spring of water gushing up to eternal life such that she will never be thirsty. 
He says the same of bread, whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Walk with me and there will never be darkness. I give my sheep eternal life and they will never perish. Jesus promises grace upon grace and blessing upon blessing. It's certainly an extreme act for Jesus to say to the man who has been dead for four days, Lazarus, come out. So in today's reading, at the house of this now living Lazarus and his sisters, we should not be surprised at a pound of perfume and the over-the-top moment of devotion that Mary shows. It is another way to demonstrate the power and presence of God. So let's go back to the story. Jesus and Lazarus are at the table. Judas and perhaps other disciples are there as well. Martha is fixing the meal, and Mary is pouring perfume over the feet of Jesus, using her hair as a towel to wipe the excess. Make no mistake, this is a very strange moment. How might you respond to this odd, probably socially unacceptable, uninhibited act on Mary's part I might avert my eyes and try not to even see this awkward moment. I might be thankful that Judas is bold enough to speak up. John tells us that Judas's motives are not honorable, that Judas is a thief. But still, I think I'd be grateful for his attempt to make this moment stop. But Jesus commends Mary describing her actions as the right and honorable thing to do in that moment. Jesus even uplifts what appears to be a reckless and spontaneous overflow of emotion as an intentional, forward-looking preparation. The smell of her gift lingers in her hair. This gratitude permeates the space that she's in. This is Mary's way as a child of God to show gratitude, and Christ receives it with love. In the same way, God welcomes whatever ways we express our faith. Maybe we celebrate our faith publicly, in enthusiastic worship, in dancing and singing. Maybe we take time for spiritual practices. Maybe we join with others in study and discussion. Perhaps we find God most in the still and quiet moments of prayer and solitude. We are each called to discipleship and received at the feet of Christ. Alongside this theme of abundance is that of excessive aroma. The perfume nard is related to the same plant as citronella. So think of that large deck or patio candle in liquid form, a pound of it, being poured out in a small dining area in a home that would be overwhelming. Not only does this aroma express Mary's adoration, but science tells us that it creates a memory. Beginning in the olfactory bulb at the front of our brains, Smells swiftly travel to the hippocampus and to the amygdala, stamping, imprinting experiences into memory. Memories associated with smell are deeply held, 
quickly accessed and strongly linked to emotions. Some of you might have grown up with incense as a part of worship, and any similar smell brings you right back to those places, even if they were years ago and miles away. Everyday smells imprint on us as well. A certain soap or detergent might transport us to childhood. The smell of field corn on a hot August day. The way our best friend's house smelled different from our own. One of my grandfathers was a smoker, and he covered up that smell with the smell of those white chalky mints that had three X's on them. My other grandfather was a mechanic, always smelling of the oil and grease that stuck in his fingernails. I cannot separate my memories of my grandfathers from those smells. So this story in John is more powerful because it gets us thinking about aromas. Of course, the smell need not be pleasant to be memorable. Just two chapters before in this reading, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Martha warns Jesus that a body, dead for four days, will be stinky. And yet, at Jesus' command, Lazarus come out, there is no mention of this undeniable element of death. So not only does Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, but he defeats even the effects of that death. And that is how this story achieves higher meaning, more enduring impact for us. We can understand what Jesus means that Mary's offering is a preparation for his death, a reminder that Jesus will not always be among them in bodily form. The meal of this story takes place six days before Jesus will enter Jerusalem for the Passover. Today's story will be echoed on Monday, Thursday with Jesus washing the feet of the disciples in an act of both humility and honor. On Easter Sunday, we will experience an abundance of aromas as the flowers will fill this space. We are called to be immersed, to participate. Like Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, we are the aroma of Christ. To the one, a fragrance from death to death. To another, the fragrance of life to life. So in these coming days, let us walk with Jesus as he enters Jerusalem. Through our scripture and in our worship, let our hearts be filled with the fragrance of abundance. Let us be compelled to devotion and to discipleship and guided by Christ to step into this resurrection life. Amen.